All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Of Like Minds video podcast, episode 10. Got a super special guest today here, my boy Anthony, fellow actor, killing it in the game today. Anthony, thank uh, you so much for coming on. Thank you for coming on, man. How you doing Yeah, today? thank you for having me, man. Good to hear from you. Dude, so you are one of my best friends, and we go a long way. And um, I think it'd just be cool to just talk about first how you even started in acting? What got you into that? Uh, acting. Um, so I grew up uh, in the church and um, like, yeah, uh, going to church every every Sunday, sometimes on Wednesdays, that kind of thing. And uh, during like the holiday, during like, you know, Easter, like Christmas, Resurrection Day, all that stuff, I would get to play. I got used to playing Jesus or an angel or just that or just performing in front mm. of people. And, you know, I loved, I just love the feeling of just like being on stage in front of people and like just expressing myself that way and like being someone else just for a moment and like exploring what that was like. And so I guess I just sort of fell, I fell in love with the pretend aspect and <laughs> wanted to follow that. And so elementary school, I went to, oh, sorry. <laughs> I, um, my bad. I went to a performing arts school, um, mm in elementary school and that kind of really like helped me like chair like harness that that love for it and it just kind of grew from there and then ended up at SCPA with all the other cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you guys that don't know SCPA um, is the San Diego School of Creative and Performing Arts. It is um, where we met and where we met a lot of great people and um, just, yeah just talking about that so you're now in middle school high school and we're you're an OG as well so you're there basically an OG oh, yeah, yeah, the you're there all bang. seven years sixth to 12th grade and so um, you kind of took off and just you know you're immediately a natural and so what was that like harnessing that now at a higher level um, in middle school and uh, high school it, it, it was it was incredible I, I got real lucky when uh, I'm meeting Richard Trujillo Mm. I would say, and uh, Richard, for those who don't know, Richard Trujillo was the artistic, is, I believe, currently still the so. artistic so. director at uh, SEPA, and um, he really, uh, he really kind of took me under his wing and, like, really opened up the world of Shakespeare to me and, like, really, like, speaking with diction and, like, understanding the language which you use and, like, being a, learning to be a master of language. And it was, you know, it was a challenge really in uh, high school, like kind of finding like what that, like, like finding like that right language or just like what that, like what the monologue is calling for, like what the text is calling for. Like sometimes it was harder to figure that out through Shakespeare. I was never, uh, I like, even to this day, I'm still like not a big Shakespeare like buff like it. <laughs> Like, I feel like in a lot of ways, Shakespeare can expose you <laughs> yeah. and because, yeah, you can, because, yeah, you can't really hide behind a lot of like the words up there, you know, even though it, mm. he, he gives you like everything you need right there in the text. But yeah. uh, figuring that out was a lot harder in high school. And like when I got to college, it, I, I became better at that. Mm. I learned, I, uh, I had some real, had some real solid voice teachers coming up and who really like helped me figure out this language thing and speaking with intention and not mm. letting any word be thrown. There's no such thing as a throwaway word mm. or like a throwaway phrase. Like every word, every everything is important. So you speak highly of your, your teachers that you had in college. So if you can just speak on, I know that you went to Cornish and that's in, located in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. And so 
from an outside perspective, you would, you know, think normally that maybe LA or maybe New York would be the initial place you would go for theater or at least for the arts. Ooh, and yeah. what was the, um, what was the main reason or what were the motivations of by choosing um, Seattle and Cornish? There's a few things. Well, uh, Number one, uh, Cornish was actually the only school I got into at the time. Uh, like uh, I auditioned for like all these other places like USC and uh, Cal Arts was like my mm. number one school I was really like pulling yeah. for that I really like. Like even I remember like even doing that audition, I really thought like, yeah, I killed that shit. Like I, I yeah, I left it all there. And, there's a lot like, of those. There's a lot of those. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, just like, man, I know I killed that shit. Like what? <laughs> and, uh, and so like not getting that one hurt. And then, so when I found out that Cornish, the school in Seattle was the only one I got into, I, you know, at the time I knew nothing about Seattle. All I knew about Seattle were the Seahawks. You know, it was like <laughs> that. that was my extent of like knowledge. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time I remember they had come, Cornish had uh, come to, they had actually come to SCPA for like the college, like uh, one of those college uh, recruit uh, meeting center mm -hmm. things. And uh, I remember I didn't go to the meeting, but a lot of my friends in my drama class did. And like when they came, yeah, and like when they came back, they were like, "Oh no, like I don't want to go to this school. Like they don't have like, they, they you know they're all like musical theater like kids and stuff. And like they're like, oh, you know, they just, you know, they they had their own reasons for like why they didn't uh, like the school. And I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh well, I guess I didn't miss anything. And then I fast forward, I go and talk to Richard Trujillo, mm -hmm. and he's like this school would be great for you. Like, like look into this school, like check this out. And so like, he was the one that even like convinced me to audition for the school in the first place. Whoa. And so like from that audition, I got in, I was like, all right, it's either go to take a chance on this new city or, you know, do community college here in Seattle and or here in San Diego. And yeah. so, and at the time I was really like, I was really like fiending for a change of scenery. Like mm. I wanted to see, I wanted to just kind of get away from the family for a little bit, just not too far away. You know, I just wanted to like, you know, leave. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, and then, you know, I moved up to Seattle and haven't looked back. Like I, I love it up here. I love the weather. Like it rains a lot. It's sunny, trees is always green. You know, it, it's there's a lot to love about the the community up here too. Like there were the the theater community especially. Like there are a lot of like local like fringe theaters and stuff. And I know a lot of like those people who've like done multiple shows there or who even like run them and stuff. And they're all just like regular like nice people and shit. And so it's it's nice that we can all come together and shit too. And yeah. even like through this COVID mess too, like we yeah. set up different relief funds for like Seattle theater artists and things like that. You know, we really have rallied around each other and I, you know, I, I love that kind of community. It's always something you want to be around a lot. No, absolutely. And I, and I remember when I visited you in Seattle a few years ago, you had told me about the community and how like, having theaters just like like just a bunch of theaters all around and how that kind of so how does that kind of change the environment and just the whole build of like of the theater community like just having so many theaters available well it makes uh well yeah like you said it makes like a lot of it makes seeing shows like almost like impossible not to do because like mm -hmm. there there's constantly like a show going on and on top of that a lot of uh, the local like fringe theaters do pay what you can nights and um, so yeah, so you can see like a good like a professional show for like you know upwards of like five ten bucks sometimes. Wow. Uh, you know, granted, it's only if you go on those like certain nights and stuff. But mm -hmm. 
they uh, a lot of like places do like discounted tickets and for like anyone who like knows me you always got you i always like comp a lot of my friends yeah and stuff when they like come to see me and stuff so they it's it's not impossible to get a free ticket or to like see a show for cheap out here and that you know it's like theater made relatively available what's really funny um in 2016 uh the first show i did uh post-graduation uh was this uh, original show oh, okay it's called hooded or being black for dummies okay and, um by terrence oh god i Come on, remember. man. First show, you gotta remember it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, what's his name? I gotta, I gotta look it up. But uh, Terrence Kretschner? No, Terrence something. I'll look it up. But okay. um, good man, good dude. Uh, but this play, uh, the theater that we did this at, um, they do this thing called Radical Hospitality, where, uh, where basically that means all their shows, you can see any show for free and whatnot. And if like you were, and if you love like what you saw, you were moved by it and you want to like continue to like support like Radical Hospitality, like theater shows, you can donate and stuff. And they get a lot of donations through that. Cause a lot of like people in that, uh, it was out in Kent, Washington. And uh, there aren't a lot of like, the theater scene isn't very big out there in that part of Washington. And so to have like this one spot in like this sort of like strip mall space was yeah. real cool. And so it got a lot, I, we, uh, our, uh, we, we had a like, it was a good like successful run. We had a lot of like sold out shows and they got like a lot of press and then we, they put us in the, the Seattle Times at one point. And it, it just kind of like took it like took its own life from there. And it was real cool too, because you get like every night it's like a room like full of fucking people. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's like, wow, you know, they're all here to like see you do your thing and shit. And so it it was real cool. It was real special. And then the talk back and stuff afterwards, like I, I love doing shows that I I don't wanna like say like politically active shows, but I like shows that have like a element of like real truth to them mm, like truth yeah. that we can all relate to with absolutely. what's going on in the world today absolutely. And, stuff. and so i I, re I really i can really appreciate a show that like challenges like a status quo or like challenges like racial injustice or societal like changes and shit and so yeah no absolutely and so you were saying that that was the first you know big show that you had done you know post-grad and so if you can just kind of go back to the that feeling and, and that time of just, you know, you just recently graduate school mm -hmm. and you're still living out in Seattle. And I don't know if you yeah. ever had um, that conversation with yourself about potentially moving back home. Um, oh yeah, I had that a lot through college. Like sophomore year is probably like my, like I may not make it. And like originally I remember thinking I wasn't gonna come back too after uh, finishing the school year. That year I flew back uh, to San Diego and I remember I was at my grandma's house, just like, well, I can't, I'm not gonna be able to afford to do this, to like do the school thing anymore. And my theater department chair like happened, he like called me that day and like uh, left me a message, but apparently I had won their big junior scholarship thing. I didn't even know I'd entered. <laughs> the scholarship or whatever but apparently i had one and it was like this it, it, the scholarship money was enough to like cover tuition for like that whole year wow that's uh, oh my so god like, uh, and then i wanted i i wanted uh junior and senior year and so like basically my last two years i'd have to pay as much as i probably would have and stuff and so it 
the, like just little doors, different opportunities, yeah. stuff just kind of opened up, and like I had no big idea. Doors. Very yeah, big, big doors, big, big, big doors. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's just sort of like yeah, it's just oh little doors, God. you know. But yeah, it. Uh, uh, very, very thankful for it. And I, I remember, like after like graduated, I remember thinking that I don't want to feel like I wasted this like mm. opportunities and stuff. And so I want to make something of it. And so to get uh, to get to do hooded to like book that show and like that be the first show I did post like graduating and I was real that was like a moment I was real proud of myself oh of course and how because then like after immediately after that show I like booked two other ones and I got to work I got to do a show uh I got to do a play that um I had worked on this play my whole freshman year of uh, college and Mm -hmm. stuff and it had been like it's called Raisin in the Sun and I had been uh like I mean I knew I'd always wanted to do this play at some point and stuff because we had done these scenes like so many different times and shit that I'm like yeah I would love to play I would love to play Walter Lee one time (laughs) in a production of Raisin in the Sun and I didn't get a chance to play Walter Lee but I got a chance to be in the production like because Seattle Rep had like reached out was like hey do you want to audition for this thing and I auditioned and I had to be a part of it and it was like it, it was incredible and like things things just kind of just open up and like just go different ways from there but it, i was i was very like thankful that for like 2016 2017 those those years are real good to me in terms of theater yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so, real so when did when, when, what year did you graduate how long was it was uh, i graduated uh, t- uh may of 2015 nice and so then I did, was, I did yeah. the summer after that. Summer after that. So, I mean, if, if, if you can just shed light on a bit of just, you know, obviously it was great once the ball got rolling, once you booked the first play. But if you can even talking about that initial, it, it's rough going into postgrad immediately. Yeah. So that first year, like, what was that like, like working towards getting to there? Like, what was that? Um, like? It was a little, it, it was very uh, daunting because it was uh, like, not only had like this, uh, had, like booked this show, but I was the, I was like the lead of this show and um it was my first like lead like post like graduating you know i've like played you know played leads and stuff before but like this was like to like i i felt like you know i know this wasn't the the production we did wasn't the original premiere of it but um i felt like i originated like this role like part of me feels like i originated this role like for myself but um, <clears throat> I remember that first rehearsal, like thinking like I wanted to, leading up to that first rehearsal, I wanted to be off book and like, I wanted to be like ready, just come out the gate so I can like show everybody up in the room and stuff. And I got, I kind of psyched myself out a little bit. Cause you know, I had like first re- first table read happened and I was kind of like fumbling words a little bit and like, I missed like, you know, certain stuff that I like kind of built up in here that I was like, yeah, I'm ready to hit this moment this way, just kind of fell flat or just didn't work the way I thought it would. And so I had to, by the like, by like a weekend of rehearsals, I had to like scrap like what the mindset that I had carried into like Mm -hmm. the character and had to sort of rebuild it from there. And um, what really like kind of helped like with this process is the scene partner I was working alongside uh, Mick Montgomery is his name. Uh, real solid dude. Real, very easy to work with. And I, I hope to God that like we cross paths again, because he he gave me like such incredible stuff to play off of, and was very helpful in terms of like helping me like understand 
the difference between our two characters because like there there is the during the play there's kind of this question of like are they the same person or are they like mm. are they separate people and like he we really enjoyed like kind of like playing around with that in the rehearsal room and stuff and uh and so i was really like that really like kind of like once I like honed in on that and like grounded myself like within that realm of like play, it made like creating like the character much more easier and shit. Mm. But, um, like for a while there was, I felt like I was just kind of just saying words a little bit and mm. didn't really understand like all of like what I was saying and shit. But you know, as time went on and like I began to understand the play more and more, like things just kind of opened up and I was able to like give it, give it my all. <laughs> No, absolutely. And so, you know, you booked that first, that first play and hit it. And then you said the ball started kind of rolling in 2016, 2017. And so um, what did that look like after and also to, if you can just actually talk about um, the work-life balance of an artist, I think it, uh, that's a huge thing. That's a misconception. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, I, art- my, yeah. Schedule, schedules. So usually um, I, I work during the days and then rehearsals are usually late afternoon at night and stuff so days usually start at like 6 30 and then i'll go i usually have to be at work at like 7 8 or uh 8 30 9 o'clock most days and so i'll be up like 6 30 7 and then go through the work day uh have like kind of an hour break in between before you know like eat dinner shower or whatever before i do rehearsal and then uh my nights usually end around like 10 30 11 o'clock and i'll get home around like 11 30 ish midnight i usually try to get to bed by 1 or 1 30 yeah and stuff and it was just constantly like that like over and over you know i was mondays were like the one or like our one like theater day off where like no rehearsal or anything and those are always nice <laughs> i'm always like you know pushing like towards that monday yeah but it um you know, I, I love what I do and stuff, so I never feel exhausted or annoyed that I have to like go there. You know, I'm more annoyed that I have to do the day job kind of mm, thing. Yeah. But um, it, uh, I've been able to like make it work. And then like with COVID, it's like switched up a lot more because now like all the like projects and stuff that I did have lined up for this year kind of got cut short because of everything. Yeah. So what was, what was, what was that like? Because, you know, for, for both of us, it, it stops a lot of opportunity and a lot of growth yeah. and a lot of the momentum we had building, especially for you being in, in yeah. Seattle. And so what was that like? If you can even share about what any of those projects were, well, or like what opportunities those were? Well, one of them, one of them that I was like, I'm um, like super like heartbroken. I'm also like fingers crossed, like maybe it, we can still pull this off somehow. Um, it was a children's show and uh, for Seattle Children's Theater. And um, it, I've, I've worked with the Seattle Children's Theater from my internship. I did my senior thesis, was an internship I did there. I was an understudy for a show uh, there and stuff. And, um, <clears throat> and so like, I, know, uh, I know some of the people that work there and stuff really well. And, they're super like lovely people and I love the audiences that we have for like those shows too because you know mm. these like the like kids are kids experience theater differently than adults do yeah and like they're the awe that they get from like certain things it just it just hits different yeah like, and so uh, I've always I've always wanted to like I've always wanted to like perform for them and stuff 
And so I was real excited for like this one, but then it got cut short. The audition got cut short before because of COVID and whatnot. But here's the, you know, he's hoping it could like come back around and stuff. But um, it, it it's also like really unfortunate too, because after um, I did a show in uh, 2017 and then decided to take a mental health break for a year, uh, or initially it was like originally supposed to be for a year and ended up being two years. But um, I just needed to sort of like refocus. I was feeling a little like burnt out from just the routine of everything. And so then, mental health break from from acting or auditioning? From acting or? and just wow. uh, like, yeah, just the theater scene out here. I just wanted to, um, I needed to refocus and like figure out like what kind of shows I want to do and like what kind of like artists I wanted to be. And I was asking a lot of those kind of questions and, um, I just need, and I think I just needed to like step away from it because this has been like I, theater acting is just something I've done like literally like since I was like seven. Yeah. And um, you know, just like show or this thing or just like like yeah, I couldn't even watching TV was different. I couldn't like really like enjoy a show or something because I'm like too caught up. I'd be like trying to like get inspired, you know. I'd be like too busy trying mm. to like what like they're searching for like the next thing like oh okay like i need to like up my stuff and i got tired of just the competitive aspect of it for a minute and i needed to like refocus my own like energy and like come back to it and and i did you know and like i took time off got into therapy and like you know worked some stuff out and then finally like came back and this year i uh i originated two row i did the i closed the show in january or in february rather uh, it's called Reparations, mm -hmm. and uh, I originated two roles in this play, and, like, this show had, like, really, like, opened up a lot for me, you know, it really got me, because it was a show about, like, family and, like, family secrets and stuff, and so through, like, this, it allowed me to, like, reconnect with my family and ask them certain questions about, like, growing up and, like, their childhood and, like, how they grew up and stuff, and yeah. just the generational trauma that we pass that like gets passed down generation to generation and stuff and conversations like the a lot of conversations like those started to pop up and i like i'm oh, keep doing that <laughs> um after i remember like after like closing that show thinking like man like this like like i've never been a part like i i've done like you know amazing shows i've been a part of some real like beautiful solid tight ensembles before mm. but like this should, like i've never been a part of a show that like has touched me in the way that this show did and i'm so proud to have like been a part of it instead of been able to like speak my truth in this show and like see my truth like be seen like told yeah. In this show, it was it, it was some it was something special, man. I really wish you could have seen it, man. Oh, like it, well, I hope I could see it too. I mean, hopefully, you know, at some point it gets. It sounds amazing. I, I want. Yeah, to I know they recorded. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, no. we well, have to send that to me. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> well, I want. I, I did want to ask. Um, you said that you originated two roles in the play. Mm -hmm. So, what does that actually entail? Because my understanding of of theater 
and, and acting is that you get a script and you're going to do what the director says x y and z and there it is so what does this mean you know originating two roles well uh to originate uh, basically what i mean this uh play was a world premiere play uh darren kennedy uh from i believe i want to say he's from kansas city or uh he's based out of there um but um he uh, he had been workshopping this play with uh, the uh, with the with our director of it for for like uh, since 2017, and you know they had been like talking about wanting to do it and stuff, but just the stars had just hadn't lined up and whatnot. But um, and then you know fast forward like late uh, 2019, whatever it was, they uh, they were putting together their uh, the theater company we did it for was called Sound Theater Company. Mm -hmm. And while they were putting together their season, this play came up again and uh, they brought it to the people and they decided they wanted to do it. And so once they like made that decision that they were gonna do it, they started you know like reaching out, trying to cast people and whatnot. And I almost missed this opportunity too, which is kind of funny. Like I, because uh, so they, uh, the director, she had uh, called me originally and I didn't have her number like in my phone or anything. And I don't really answer numbers, I don't know. It's like, I'm like, it's like student loans or some shit. Like, I'm like y'all, y'all need to chill. Y'all gonna get y'all money. And so uh, I missed a call originally and, um, Various people have been trying to like reach me through like Facebook and stuff. I was like, hey, like this person is like trying to reach you. And so eventually, you know, we like got into contact and uh, I had like listened to the voicemail that they had left. Cause I didn't even, I didn't even pick up the voicemail that they left about like this thing. I'd like saw that and just assumed that it was like some student loans drama and just like didn't even open it, just like left it there. I'm glad I didn't delete it, but. It, it just, I almost nearly missed the thing, but you know, it all worked out and it, it was incredible. Like, and I'm so happy because like doing that show was my first show, like being back after like this two year hiatus and mm. came out swinging. And so like, I had finally like back in the groove and then COVID hits. Oh, no, and, and that, that you actually hit it right on the head. Like just what is that like taking a break from something that you have basically known since you were a child and I kind of almost related to like Dave Chappelle when he took that 12-year hiatus and, and yeah, right, yeah. like really doing it for himself and and then we've talked about this before and you doing that for yourself but I didn't realize how long that that break was so what was it like post that break after you took that mental health like for mm -hmm. you personally what was it like moving forward like what did that do for you like for your love oh, for acting? I felt like rejuvenated I felt like I felt I could look at like certain character certain scenes differently you know i was i trusted my i got more back into my instincts as an actor and like trusting like mm. where my body is faced and trusting that my body knows where to move like all the stuff that i would like think about like constantly like one of the things that was like my constant like where it's kind of like an actor joke thing too of like what do you do with your hands and yeah. shit and i remember like i'd be in the middle of a fucking scene and then like i'd all of a sudden would just tap into like what is going on with my hands right now like what am i doing with my hands like why don't i feel comfortable and i would just keep moving my hands around trying to get them to be comfortable and i couldn't just stand i couldn't just sit still for like any number of time and so like and now you know i'm like and now i'm still as ever <laughs> but like you know i i can attack the work differently and like better now I can, you know, I'm doing everything better, even feeling better. Mm -hmm. You know, like my, the mistakes that I make 
are newer mistakes. They're not like ones that I've like been making since through like college and in high school and stuff. A lot of the idiosyncrasies I had as an actor are starting to like dis dissipate and I'm able yeah. to, or I'm able to like mask them better. Mm. So, so I think it's like, you know, coming back, it's made me a better artist. It's made me a more focused and like more daring artist, mm. I would say. I'm willing to like take more risks that I necessarily didn't before. And it just sucks that it gets cut short again because of yeah. this shit. Well, I like was, it, it's, go ahead. I, I, well, I was going to ask just with you taking that break. And so, you know, maybe what were you doing as an artist um, to still continue your training? Like, were you doing any specific exercises or just kind of things to keep up your training? Or if it's more for um, you, like how, how, what was that? Like, did you completely abandon or? Well, I just kind of had to like, uh, are you talking about like when I took the break from acting, what did I do in that yeah, time? Yeah, like, were you still, were you still like, you know, trying to like work online? Well, kind of, you know, food? I would, uh, you know, my cousin Jamar, like we talk a lot, you know, he, uh, he does theater too, like out mm -hmm. in uh, Kansas City. And so he would like call me, he would like, you know, talk to me. We would exchange actor stories, stuff. And, you know, we would like talk about like theater and different shows that we're watching and stuff. And um, I guess I kind of took that moment. Uh, I took that time off to just try to enjoy shows without like, you know, or like I, I, I started watching shows and try to, to think about like why I enjoy certain types of TV mm -hmm. a lot and stuff, or like why I enjoy certain actors so, uh, so much and stuff. And, and, and then on top of that, and I began, I, I started to write a little bit, like they have this uh, play that I've been like, kind of like developing like for uh, over a number of years now that I've been like itching at writing at. And so like in this break, I kind of sketched out like the, like the plot of it and just like kind of a storybook type of deal like oh okay nice. i kind of see like what the story is now and like i've been i've been writing you know i took this time off to like write it i didn't complete it completely i didn't like finish the play completely but i've like i've gotten a good enough chunk of it i'm like okay i know exactly where i'm going with this thing and it's just a matter of now of like sitting down and finish it finishing it but because like my strengths are in like theater or in like acting and stuff i was like kind of eager to get back into that i wasn't mm as eager to like completely like dive into the writing skill, but I started to take writing classes as a result. I signed up for masterclass and took- Amazing. Yeah, I took Shonda Rhimes uh, writing uh, for TV and stuff and like helped develop my own little like pilot episode for the thing. So I'm like, okay, got a little, so, so like I, I picked up a new habit, I guess, you know, in like the, in the midst of it, but it's still one that I'm like still learning too after like, I don't, I, I struggle with identifying as like a writer, you know, cause like acting is like what I'm, like where, where my strengths are at. No, you know? for sure. But I think it's important just even that can open up avenues and, you know, if the passion for, you know, acting, um, you know, burns out or say you just want to make a pivot, like that's really awesome. Cause I feel like those two things, even just seeing it from the writer's perspective, um, can really change and kind of enhance your skills as an actor and so oh, yeah. um, it just helps you get more well-versed I love that um, talking about so we graduated high school in 2011 and you Ooh, seems like a lifetime ago seems <laughs> it's, it, we're coming up on 10 years it's, it's kind of wild and so oh, wow. you you know I, I I went to LA 
and to do the whole artist thing and you went to Seattle to do the whole artist thing. So what, how has it like been living in Seattle, all the adjustments coming from San Diego and oh, the theater it out was there? A, it's kind of a culture shock a little bit initially. Um, I, you know, being in San Diego, I'm used to, you know, seeing a bunch of different, like race, a bunch of races and stuff, you know, <laughs> black Asian stuff, you know, I moved up here. I saw a lot more white people than like, I've seen in a while and stuff and you know it I've always you know even then you know I've always I've like I've never you know I've been the only black person of color in a group of like white people before and shit mm. and so like that was never nothing new but uh I don't know the what really struck me up here what struck me first up here was just how friendly everybody was and stuff and like it was you know I really am oh okay like these I got a real sense of like community up here like community these are community people up here and i was like oh okay um like, i can vibe with it i can vibe with this and um sorry <laughs> <Get that out. laughs> but yeah i can like i was like i was vibing with them and um you know there were there were some like moments of like just like racial tension i guess i could say um you know i had the first year the first year i moved up here uh freshman year i got stopped on the street uh like stopped and frisked and shit like pulled out to the side um because i like matched the description on some shit or whatever and that was very daunting too because like at the time i was headed to my mentor's house and i was walking up this giant hill and it was like it was around like 5 30 6 o'clock or whatever so traffic was like real bad and shit yeah. and you know as i'm like walking up this hill i see like this cop car that's kind of just strolling you know like on the side of me and shit and, and you know he's like at first you know i'm thinking oh he there's like a giant like gap of space for him to like he can clearly drive up so like i know he's like telling me and shit and so i like stop for a minute and i make eye contact with him and he just kind of like weighs me off or whatever and I'm like, all right, whatever. And I just like keep walking. And this cop car behind him like pulls up and pulls up, gets out, like uh, tells me to like come over to the car and shit. And they like frisk me there. And I guess some robbery or some shit had like happened in the area. And I like matched the shit. And so I'm sitting there, you know, hands on the car and shit. And I'm there for like maybe 20, had to be 20 minutes and shit. And, you know, like, yeah, obviously, you know, people like looking at you like outside the car and shit. It was real embarrassing, real humiliating and shit. And <clears throat> I was like, oh, like, fuck all that. From like, from that moment, you know, I didn't really like walking around like by myself at night and shit. If I was going to go somewhere, it was going to be me and my roommate or somebody else and shit. There was no, and if I could avoid walking on, walking out by myself, I would and shit. And so... <clears throat> That was a little hard to like get used to, and I thought it was always going to be like that, but it, you know, it wasn't. But then uh, there were other moments of like racial like tension. Like work, uh, I work in a very like public uh, space, yeah. and um, like very like big tourist attractions, so you get all types of like people coming through and shit. And you know, I've had dudes come up like call me the n word a bunch, like throw shit at me, you know, like that type of harassment before it. You know, it it happens. It doesn't happen like every day, but it like. You know, it, you know, it, it's there. You know, you. Somebody told me a long. Well, one of the it's funny. One of the lines in the uh, hooded or being black is one of the rules is never forget that you're black. 
<clears throat> no matter like what you're doing, no matter like like where you at, you carry yourself in this world as a black person, and like the moment you forget that, it could be the end of you and shit. Yeah. So, well, it's it's incredibly infuriating to hear that and you know someone that you're so dear to me and we're so close and i know when i visited you in seattle a few years ago um you you were at a point where you wanted to you wanted to leave i mean and it was yeah. happening a lot more i believe yeah yeah it was. Year. so if you can just talk about i mean taking me back to that yes yes yeah, yeah sure thing um that like uh what i was saying earlier about the dude like calling me the n-word and like throwing shit at me it was like right after that incident I was like, you know what? Fuck this city. I'm done. Like, get me the fuck out of here. Let me get my money right and we're on the next flight. And um that and that was like, God, that had to be 2016. Yeah, because I had just started uh I had just started my new job there that mm-hmm. February. And then that first summer, it was like somewhere in August, that first summer there, uh, is when that shit happened. But um <clears throat> Yeah, like after like after that shit, I was immediately like, yeah, like you know, um, I can't I can't do this anymore. And then you know, I had to have you know like sat with myself for a minute and I had to you know like analyze some shit. And I was like, you know, there's racial there's racism everywhere. Like you know, there's nowhere I can move to in America where there's not gonna be some element of like racism like there. You know, it's just that that's just sort of the reality you accept when, you know, living in this country and shit, unfortunately, that racism is everywhere. And, you know, you can be in denial about it or choose to not let it, like, hold you back and, you know, like, do whatever and stuff, but, you know, not everybody is lucky enough to, like, walk away from a lot of, like, the racism they encounter and the, that, that type of, like, prejudice and shit. And so I, um, you know, and I started, I started to think about, like, why I loved Seattle, like, what made me, like, fall in love with Seattle in the first place, and really, you know, it's the friend, the people that were, like, relatively in my community, the people that I fucked with on the day-to-day, like, that made this city, like, worth, like, staying around, and then at the time, I had met, you know, I met my girlfriend, you know, at the time, and shit, and that really kind of, like, oh, you know, maybe I could stick around here for a little bit, yeah. and <laughs> that was why I was, but um, but yeah, and then uh, like now, like that was like three-ish years ago, whatever. And like now, you know, now I look at you know if I were, I do, you know, eventually I will like probably leave Seattle. But right now, I'm in, I'm not in a rush. Mm. I believe, you know, I do want to travel. You know, I want to travel the world. I want to go to places. Chicago is like the place mm-hmm. that I was. I don't know if we mentioned that earlier, but that was yeah. where I was gonna go in Seattle uh, after like moving out of Seattle and shit. And that's definitely still in the places of like to travel and shit. And so I know, you know, the world is still my oyster. I can still do all that. I can still live in different places and stuff. Absolutely. You know, I don't have to live on some set schedule. And that's what I kind of like started beating myself up about is that like, you know, I said, I made the bold claim that I was going to leave this city and then I didn't leave. And it's like, like, oh crap i'm a fake ass bitch man like mm. ain't this some shit and so like it, it was a lot of like that like talk in my head that i had to get myself out of of like i don't run on nobody's schedule by my own and i can change my schedule whenever the fuck i want you know no absolutely right? yeah and so it was yeah it was understanding that and 
moving on. No, it, and it takes a while to get, I feel like I'm still dealing with that and we're all still dealing with that. We, we get so fixated on like, this has to happen by this point, but. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Like, I should be a millionaire right now. Like, I'm 27 should, years old. Like, why, am, why the fuck am I not a millionaire? Like, just yeah. like that type of shit. Yeah, even on a smaller scale, just like I should be working the dream job or be doing something that's more filling, but um, we have these kind of such high standards for ourselves that we forget that, you know, this progress we're actually making some pretty good progress I know, right yeah and um, it's because the world we live in too is just so fast and vast it is just like constant like you gotta if you're not like working and shit like don't don't waste my time like get out of my face like you know it's just it's the grind and grind motherfucker it's like yeah. i'm just like yeah. sort of like taking over like the what it means to be productive and shit and you know yeah. like i love now though that like there's starting there's a change in the narrative of like what it means to be like successful and productive and it's like you know what it means to like you know uh, yeah i guess it's uh, like be productive and shit there's that like you know it's it's not like working eighty nine thousand hours a week or whatever and then like no vacation time and shit you know it's like no it's like taking care of your mental health making sure you're eating you know like working out or sleeping and shit yeah. you know it's not all about like just doing the work you know you got to take care of your mental state you got to take care of your physical body you got to do the other stuff you know besides the like grinding and shit you know you gotta you can't just grind like on the field or on the stage and shit you know you gotta grind in your food and you gotta grind in your health yeah. And shit too and you know it uh like but yeah and i love that like you know now we're starting to see an embrace of that you know you're starting to see a lot more like yeah. self-love self-care projects and like influencers like all out and about and shit and like i think that's a beautiful thing man because i think the world needs more of that like hey you're doing a good job like fuck whatever you, what like society tells you you should be or like what capitalism tells you you should be and shit you know you are you are worth it you were i watched this video the other day with the uh, viola davis like talking about how we are all worth it and how you should like repeat that to yourself like every day no matter what you know you are you are in that room or you are in this thing because you belong there and you are worth it and it's like i think yeah we all we all could use that reminder no absolutely i think that kind of just ties to the the schedule that I know that I can't imagine what you're going through. You talking about you working a full-time job and then going to that rehearsal grind, same thing with me and, and dance and teaching. And so just yeah. talking about how important that is as an artist to also maintain that mental and physical health uh, in your case. So how has that been like for you um, balancing all those things? It's just a ton, of, you have a ton of jobs. We wear yeah. two different hats. So what's that like? Uh, well, like for me, it, it's helped that um, I I made the decision to like get into therapy and stuff because that allowed me to like take a look at my entire schedule and like figure out, I'm like, okay, like where where is like my sort of like free time or like what am I doing too much of and like where can I like edit some shit out and uh -huh. stuff. And so like once I really figured out like where a lot of my like toxicity like time was going, like where like you know, I'd, I'd spend a lot of time just like, like my days like off, you know, I get off work or whatever, like early and shit. And I'm just like smoking the day away or some shit. And it's like, maybe it's lessening like how much weed I'm smoking <laughs> daily, you know? It's like, okay, you know, I can, that's something I can do. Yeah. Shit, you know, I can like challenge like little daily challenges of like, 
like for uh, for me personally, like I love smoking first thing in the morning. Like I love that like four twenty a.m. high. Like, <laughs> I'm like just that. That's my shit. And uh, and then because I work in the morning too, you know, I'm like my job. I don't always have to be as like attention and shit. You know, I can like afford to like lay back and kick it a little bit. Yeah. And shit. So like smoking in the morning has always been like fun and stuff. But yeah. I'm also like groggy and like sloggy and shit. And, like, <laughs> it, you know. Almost I'm high as shit in the morning. So it, uh, I had to like switching that up, like using like weed as like a reward for like making it through the whole day, mm. like sort of shifted my relationship with weed a little bit. Mm. And then, and so like I, you know, I, you know, I still like smoke every day and stuff, but I try, I, I've adjusted how much of it I smoke and which has allowed me to like make time for other things. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe now that I'm not like, uh, couch potato I can like <laughs> where I can do this little writing thing or I can like yeah. make this play or something you know I can like do other stuff and I also save money that way too because I'm not at the dispensary every like two weeks and shit. <laughs> you know it it helps overall it's good it's, it's been a good thing yeah um I I don't know if you remember the um when I visited you you took me to a place called Freddy's and you had a, uh, and Freddy's is like a great burger place. Yeah, they are. Real good. They're gone now. Yeah, so w- what's the story behind that? Because you have, <laughs> you have something that I think, um, I okay. think yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, like, I, I honestly feel like me and my friends are the reason this place is gone now from this like, <laughs> one. Their final, like, like, Final complaint, just set it all off. So um, it's like a Friday night or whatever, you know, and me and my friends, you know, we're all out. It's me, my roommate, and my homie Jackie. And uh, we had just, you know, finished like bar hopping and shit. And so we go to Freddy's and like get food and we all order our food and shit, like all fine and shit. And we're sitting at our tables. Now, um, where I'm sitting, like my back is towards uh, the table where these two other women are sitting at, and my two other friends are sitting across from me. And my roommate uh, Fez, like you know, he's like like looking behind me. Uh, there's this dude, I guess, who had come in, and he was making like very, he was like making like very like sexual gestures towards these women. And my roommate saw it and like stood up and like walked over and like politely asked the dude to leave and shit. And like, it was, it was fine, you know, like he like didn't like threaten him or anything like that. He was just like, yo, you're bothering them, could you leave? And the dude left, like it was fine. You know, he handled the situation like perfectly and shit. Mm-hmm. Then the motherfucking manager slash cook dude <laughs> behind the fucking counter or whatever, like, starts yelling at my roommate Fez and was like, you don't need to be talking to customers like that. You don't need to be like coming at him like like you, like who do you think you are? Like all this shit. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, bitch, you was sitting there the whole fucking time. You didn't say shit. <laughs> like he over here like harassing this woman, like fucking like like all this like sexual shit, like thrusting in her general direction right in front of you and you ain't said nothing. Like yeah. don't try to boss up now, you punk ass. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I we all went <laughs> off on him. And uh like and then, you know, they like kicked us out and all this shit. And I was so upset, you know, I, I pulled the Karen and was like, let me talk to the motherfucking manager. And I'm like, <laughs> and I like, I like message their like Facebook. I, I, I'm like, I like their Facebook page. And I like went on their page and was like, ripped them a new one. And was like, yo, your staff was like extremely disrespectful. 
and like all this shit and stuff. And then like a week later, they were shut down. <laughs> a week later, there was no more Freddy's. At first, I thought, I'm like, oh, maybe they just like adjusted their hours to close early. But as I would like keep walking by there, like at random points in like, <laughs> different days and shit, like the chairs would still be up, windows closed, like nobody been in there. I'm like, oh shit, they gone, gone. <laughs> Yep, we and I'm like it is sad too because like that was my spot, man. The, the little good. burgers, man. And, ah, man, them suckers was good. But well, you, you stood up for what was right. And yeah, man, they did us dirty, man. We was yeah. just we was chilling. No, I I appreciate that. I just you know we need to have you know need a little less, especially now the world is yeah, man, so much bit. going on. Yeah. Um, I did also want to ask you, Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the current climate. And this is something that you've lived your entire life. Um, but just speaking to whoever's tuning in, by the way, and just, you know, we got Anthony Simmons on the video podcast here. Hello, everybody. What, what's, it, <laughs> what's it been like for you moving out to a new city, knowing absolutely nothing about it? Um, and then for you, I know, having to do all these working multiple jobs and being out early in the day then having to be out late at night i'm sure that has a significant effect on how you feel especially being african-american male in an urban city so what's that just been like just being out there um it you know every day you know presents like a thing or like what, what the thing is today and like with um like everything like with the protests going on today and whatnot it uh you know, part of me wishes I could be there and I could like scream and shit like that and, you know, just like be out there in the streets. And another part of me is like, if I were there, I'd probably be dead and shit. And then, you know, I think about like, I, I risk like getting killed, like walking out the street or even not walking out, you know, like, they could mistakenly come in here trying to raid some shit and I get killed in the crossfire. And so it's just like a constant, you know, like, I try not to like think in the, like, I'm not safe. Like I'm not safe anywhere and stuff, even though, you know, I know like statistically I'm not, you know, it's not safe anywhere. But I think I also have to like take a moment to recognize my privilege in this situation because though I am like black, you know, black male, like fully black male in society and I carry myself as a black male in society, um, I am a light-skinned black male, and my there are people with a darker complexion than me that have much more like raw stories to mm. tell. You know, I can only speak my truth and what's happened to me, and I will speak that truthfully, like yeah. here and every day. And you know, because I, I, I've had my run-in with like you know people being called the N-word or just like feeling like the outcast, like in a group or like the other mm. and shit. You know, I, I have that experience there. And, but I never want like what happens to me to take away from like someone who's like had it like way worse or just like gets it on a whole nother level and shit. And so, but you know, I, I use this moment now to like kind of do, you know, like social media and shit to like uplift like a lot of those voices and shit whenever something like this happens because whenever you know i look at the pictures of like you know some of these people that have been like tragically like taken away like through like police violence or some bullshit ass concerned citizen or whatever it's always people that are like darker than me you know it's like mm. i look at ahmad i look at brianna taylor even george floyd who's like just taken away from us like 
you know, these these are all like black people of a darker complexion that are like are facing the full brunt of this shit, you know, and I sit here like hurt, you know, that like these people they look like me and shit and there's nothing I could do to protect them. And shit, you know, and so like it you know, it gets, you know, sad, you know, some days and shit, but you know, I try to you know, I hold my loved ones close, you know, the people yeah. that know I got them, know I got them, like the ones that got me, you know, mm-hmm. they do they do what they can to let me know that and stuff. And like friends have reached out and shit, you know, like I've talked to like family and friends about this and like, you know, we, we've all are embracing each other through this because, you know, on top of like in the middle of a fucking pandemic, you all are also reminded of like racism in this world and it's like it. Yeah. It sucks, man. And I remember like thinking too, just like before, like earlier this year, like just earlier, like when COVID stuff was happening that like, oh, I hadn't like heard, like you hadn't heard about like cops killing the black dude, like anywhere, like for a while. And it's like, I remember thinking like, yeah, it's been a minute and stuff. And then Ahmad happens. And then then you find out like Brianna Taylor had happened and that was all like two, they was in the span of like two weeks of each other, but they were like months ago, like back in February, but we're just finding out now. And it's like, oh no, this has always been happening. We just, it just wasn't talked about and stuff. And so it's just this constant thing that just keeps happening and it's scary, dude. And it like, it angers me, you know, like I'm hurt, I'm scared, but you know, I'm also hopeful that like this will not be the end of us, you know, like yeah. you know, that the people can do what they can to like change the or like switch up the narrative on like why they feel that we're out there in the streets protesting or you know, they could try to like rate us as like looters and stuff, but you know, it this this is all this is what happens when you don't deal with the injustices with like atrocities of your fucking country you know when you don't recognize like your racist roots and like slavery and like jim crow and like everything like this will just keep this will just keep happening you know and it's like this is designed to happen you know through like you know upholding white supremacy and like white social standards like it's this is all going according to their plan it's fucked up and people are fed up and this is what you see you're seeing people was fed up with this shit yeah and ready to fucking go to jail die about it whatever man but you know like we we've had enough and it's fucked up it's it's incredible to hear you talk about anthony because you're still so humble and you know rightfully you are still you know, paying respects to those that may be facing it more. But I know I can confidently speak in the long time that we've been friends since over 15 years now, fifth, sixth grade. When when we've hung out, not only in SCPA, but outside, I've seen you firsthand experience those things. Mm -hmm. And um, I just want you to know that, you know, I, I don't think, I think any form of color, especially black, that you you deserve it all and in terms of you need all the love too i don't care what thank you light skin dark skin i'm I'm giving you all the love man seriously especially being out there in seattle it's um you know i want to send you that love i did i did want to you talked about family i did want to kind of end with some 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 little surprise for you so i don't know if you remember 
we kind of got closer on the on the school bus. We used to take the school bus, mm-hmm. the yellow oh, school yeah. bus, the ones that look like Twinkies. Oh, and, uh, I remember one time I, I, you know, going to school. You know, I was I was eating. You're not supposed to eat, but I was a pretty good kid, and uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I was eating on the school bus, and, and the bus driver was just mean mugging me, mean mm-hmm. mugging me, and I'm talking. Just cussing me out and I was cussing yeah. out, like in, in my spot whatever and, uh, and we were just mean mugging looking at each other and I remember I, you were one of the first people I told when I got to school I was like yo Anthony man like I got yeah. into it my bus driver like you know she was just mean mugging me I was just trying to eat my breakfast my pop tart whatever yeah. and was cussing me out I was just giving her the look and everything and you told me <laughs> yeah what I tell you what I tell you <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's my mom. That's my mom, bro. Tell me, a sixth grade little Asian boy getting in a fight with Anthony's mom, one of my closest friends. Like, what? I'll never forget that because that was the, we came back for the open house thing like that (laughs) night. And I was like, yo, come on, you got to meet my mom. And like, you was like, yo, that's right. (laughs) And it was, it was just it was just amazing. That was like, I'll never forget that yeah, shit, man. It was just amazing because your your mom still had all the love and respect. Yeah, right, yeah. She, she still asked like, about you too. Oh, that's amazing. Same same with my my family. Yeah, yeah. Give them give them my love, man. Like, same, but no, man. I just you know just kind of wanted to just share that with you and just to remind you know who that's you're hilarious. And just I love that. <laughs> how crazy everything is, but how how things kind of happen. But um, I think um uh. Just to wrap up, Anthony, if you can just talk about being an artist in COVID and talking about what your routine has either adapted to or switched to, or how have you kind of kept in focus oh, with totally. your art? Um, I had to, uh, with losing the theater projects and stuff that I had lined up and just sort of the future that I had lined up, I had to treat it as sort of a grieving process a little bit. Like I, because I was really like, I was real like crushed about it and then like stressed too, and like trying to figure out like my feelings and shit of like, what what am I feeling right now? And uh, I I read this uh, article that like kind of like beautifully like articulated it of like we all were like had these things you know we all had our lives like going in this certain direction and like something has like hit a, has like affected each and every one of us on this planet in a way mm-hmm. that like. 9-11 hasn't in a way that like Katrina yeah Katrina yeah a lot of like, a lot of, yeah like the entire world has to like recognize COVID-19 mm-hmm. and shit and so you know we we I had to I had to recognize that fact for myself and just like come to terms with that of like okay this is where we are now and um as a result you know with like collecting like you know being on unemployment and stuff um uh, everybody's out breaking bread and stuff like that. I decided to get into smoothies. And so I, like once a day, I make myself some kind of smoothie. Like, what, you know, like I uh, I bought a blender like a couple weeks ago. And um, I've just been, you know, like a little banana, a little like kiwi, strawberry, like just all my favorite stuff. All the st- all the greens, all the like veggies and shit too that I'm that I don't like eat on the regular. Mm-hmm. I'm just like nah, I don't really like like I'm not gonna eat this kale just <laughs> like this like nah. <laughs> but in a blender, kale is pretty good, you know. Yeah. Like you know, like I'll eat yeah. And so like I get a lot of like the greens and stuff that I wouldn't normally get. I now have a way to like do that. And so I through this like COVID shit, 
I've like become healthier. You know, I keep my apartment mm. cleaner and shit. I, uh, you know, I like work out a little bit, you know, nothing too strenuous and whatnot, but like, you know, just enough to like, you know, keep me active and just keep me focused. I've been taking like vitamin supplements and I've basically have like used this time to better my health mm. and shit and like, you know, cause I can't go out and make money now. So like, yeah. you know, I gotta figure something else out and like, you know, refocusing on, on my health and like, you know, playing some Call of Duty in there <laughs> and shit, you know. Treat gotta, yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> Yeah, to stay active, you know, I do, I do my, I do the best I can to like stay active and also to like accept that like, if I do just have a day where I do nothing but just sit around in my fucking underwear and eat that shit, like that's okay, you know, that's okay doing COVID-19 when we're all on shutdown and stuff because like, I got, I had to like, I was thinking of like kind of taking a break from like social media for a little bit Mm. just because like during like COVID I've noticed that like, social media is kind of boring now or just like everybody's kind of doing the same like thing or just like nobody's or because we're all like locked down and stuff it's just yeah. random tiktok videos everybody's fucking making now and <laughs> shit is lip, lip sync and shit it's like we all bored as fuck man it's like <laughs> i and it's like i'm tired of watching and like the most like annoying thing to watch is like a bored celebrity because i'm like man like y'all like it, and it's just yeah. And so yeah, it was like I needed to like step away from it for a little bit. So I haven't been on Facebook today. Good. And, like, <laughs> like kept kept it up, but like man, it, it's always something. But well, I love it though. No, I love that. I love that you're refocusing on your health. That that's the first and foremost important thing because without that, we don't have anything. Um, well, whoever is tuning in and listening, um, Anthony, you've you've had a rich narrative so far. And I think something that I'd love for you to shed light on just some final thoughts is I want you to think back to your 13 or 14 year old self and whether it's navigating in our current world or when we were growing up, everything you've learned, the jobs you've worked, the experiences you've been in, the spaces you've been a part of, what would you look back and tell your 13 to four year old self to kind of help navigate or inspire um, through life? Oh man. Um, one of the, uh, one of the, like, whenever I find myself like flustered as an actor or like I'm like on stage and I'm just like unfocused or something, uh, something my yoga teacher I had uh, freshman year told me to do uh, it was like a mantra kind of she told me to like chant it's breathe and feel your feet on the ground and so like whenever I'm like you know I'm like on stage and like a moment like isn't working or I know I like fucked up and like we're in rehearsal and I can like go back I always take that moment to just like stop just like stop everything take that breath find what it find like the words of like what I want to say and just say it or like mm-hmm. that thing and so I've kind of like taken that kind of idea into into life like when you know the racism in the world like when the racial tensions are at an all-time high and shit is crashing around you breathe and feel your feet on the ground because like once you start like panicking once you start like giving into the wave of like all the shit that's like coming at you like you're at their control now Mm. you take that moment to like breathe and like connect with the 
ground underneath you, you, you regain that control and then you can move through any situation, through any problem, you know, as best you can, you know, and I try to take that into, you know, I wish somebody had like told me that, you know, at that time, I probably wouldn't have understood what the fuck they meant, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, like, what, like, I am breathing, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I, I, I think about that a lot, and so, like, when shit gets tough, breathe, build your feet on the ground, and then tack the problem. I love it, Anthony. Um, like I said, we go a long way. And you've come a long way and you're still out in Seattle killing it. And I remember you telling me you were going to be the next Denzel. And, yeah. <laughs> and, I absolutely, and I absolutely believe that. And I'm looking forward to hearing more. And hopefully at some point, you know, if you ever end up taking your talents to Chicago or even, you know, once things in theater start kicking yeah. back again, I'd love to, to get you back on and to just to catch Hell up. Yeah. And oh, yeah, so, that'd be dope. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. This has been great. Like, I, this is like I've never done an interview like this before. I was scared as shit when this was first happening. I'm like, wait, no, nah, it's my boy here. What am I nervous for? It's my boy here. It's well, my guy. We, I appreciate you, Anthony, and hopefully for the viewers or whoever's tuning in, um, you can take so much from Anthony's rich narrative and his experiences, and hopefully use it as inspiration moving forward in your life. So. Thank you guys for tuning into the Of Like Minds video podcast, episode 10. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing time with me. It's been great to see your face and to catch up, man. Thank you, Kev. Thanks for having me, man. I love you, brother. All right, you love guys. You too, man. Take care. We'll see you later next time. Take care, man. Yep, see you, man.